0: support for MindShift comes from Landmark College, offering a fully online graduate-level certificate in learning differences and neurodiversity programs. Visit landmark.edu slash certificate to learn more. Hey, it's Avery
1: Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just
2: Welcome to MindShift, the podcast where we explore the future of learning and how we raise our kids. I'm Katrina
3: Schwartz. And I'm Ki Sung. So far in this podcast, we've always focused on some element of academic life at schools, classes, programs, stuff like that. The one thing we haven't spent a lot of time on is often what feels like the most important part of the day to a kid, lunch.
2: Sure, that's like when all the social stuff happens. And I've heard that a lot of
3: lunch really sucks at school. I mean, people tell us all the time that they hate lunch. Yeah, I mean, I remember my school lunch experience. So learning about how much kids still don't like it, that was surprising. You went to a school that's been struggling with these issues. They're actually trying to fix this, right? They are. And so I went to Tice Creek. It's a K-8 school in Walnut Creek. It's in an affluent suburb of San Francisco. And I discovered that in spite of how teachings evolved thanks to technology, Lunch is basically stuck in the Stone Ages, like the 80s when I was in middle school. Nowadays, kids like Sebastian Donchev-Japanov are still bringing junk food to school to trade for someone else's lunch.
1: I have a croissant, and I have goldfish, and I have like like a Z-bar so then I could trade for uh, water. And I have uh, Pringles chips.
3: They still have negative opinions about the cafeteria food. Here's Amaya Murray's take on the food quality.
4: Most people bring lunches because they don't like school lunch very much.
3: And the cafeteria line is still too long.
4: So the line's usually like a little bit long, but not
3: bad. And there's still that kid sitting alone, looking a little forlorn. But the craziest thing that I didn't realize until I walked into the lunchroom was that these kids only have 20 minutes to eat. Think about what you were doing 20 minutes ago. That's no time at all. But at this school, they have to get in line to buy their food, find their friends, find a seat, unwrap their food, and
0: eat before the next group of kids show up. Did you finish your lunch? It's pretty structured and we do that because of supervision purposes and to make sure kids are safe.
3: That's Marie Morgan, superintendent of the Walnut Creek School District.
0: And so um, a grade level will um, either eat first, and usually there's about 15 to 20 minutes for kids to eat their lunch. And then they'll have a, a free play time that's about 20 to 25 minutes long.
3: It's not just Tice Creek. Here in California, the average amount of time kids have to eat is 20 minutes. And that's a problem Experts say that's just not enough time to get enough nutrition to get through the day. When you're rushed to make decisions, you're less likely to think about getting healthy food, like veggies. Given more time, kids are more likely to finish drinking their milk and get that protein.
0: Oftentimes, they're gobbling down their food in order to be able to get to go outside. And what you hear noon supervisors or um, folks say to them is, you know, sit down, sit down. Lots of direction on what they should be doing.
3: Lunch supervisors' big challenge is maintaining order so kids can eat since time is so limited. So Morgan started working with vocal parents who were unhappy with their kid's school lunch and had the time to volunteer for changes. That meant researching ideas, hosting workshops, going to school board meetings, and having kids taste test hot lunches they'd be willing to stand in line to buy. Okay, so what are some words that you could use? It looked a little... The I so, eavesdropped on a taste test for meat sticks with the kids as guinea pigs. These sticks look like individually wrapped string cheese, but instead of cheese, it's a stick of deli meat. I want
4: to finish this. Like it's actually, well. I know, it's good. Okay, <laughs> I will, it was okay. It was not as bad as I thought it would
2: be. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the packaging makes it yeah, look
0: unappetizing. I mean, it looks like a cheese
1: stick. Yeah, like I thought it was cheese stick too. Yeah.
3: The other issue that kids flagged, lunch is really, really fraught, socially. School lunch isn't just about the food and the amount of time kids get to eat. Especially in the tween years, hanging out with your friends is a big deal. And sometimes, kids don't have friends to be with. And that can make the lunchroom a social pressure cooker. One solution that the kids are testing is activity tables. The idea is that at lunchtime, they can take their food to designated round tables inside the cafeteria and play board games or do homework with other kids. The good news is a lot of these changes will be possible when the school opens up a new redesigned lunchroom this fall. Here's Superintendent Marie Morgan again.
0: Activity-wise, we're thinking about how we might offer students choices that engage them in some type of thoughtful interaction socially with other students.
3: The other issue is when kids do have friends and want to eat lunch with them, they're stressed out about missing the window because the seats are filling up. That's why they're speeding through the line, like I mentioned noticing in the cafeteria earlier. Those details came up during the workshops about improving lunch. That's a big reason that a lot of people don't buy lunch, is because you get to just quickly come in, sit down with your friends, and you get more time to socialize. And when you're buying lunch, you have to wait in a long line. That's Piper Zacharias, who, along with her friend Alejandra Gonzalez, are part of the majority of students at this school who bring lunch instead of buying it, so they can spend more time with their friends socializing. Here's Alejandra. And that's probably a reason people don't like to buy lunch because they don't
2: want to wait in the line and they feel like there might be some sort of joke that they wouldn't understand. They might miss it or something like that that has to do with that.
3: Sebastian Donchev Jophanov also has some ideas about making food. He's the student you heard earlier who had a stash of goldfish crackers and Pringles chips for lunch,
0: maybe for like the cooking uh Maybe it could like show us things that we would need to know, like what ingredients we need to make like something healthy and good for like, breakfast, lunch, and dinner.
3: When we come back, I'll tell you about a school that actually put student feedback to the test and did a whole design hack as a result. They've worked hard on it, but as they've discovered, you can't please everyone.
2: I don't eat lunch because it's kind of New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.
1: Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of The Bay and beyond with reliable, human centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED.
2: Showing your support is easy and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED podcasts too at donate.kqed.org/podcast. That's donate.kqed.org/podcast.
3: Welcome back to the Mindshift podcast. I'm Key Sung. The reason that I got into this whole thing and learned about problems with lunchtime in America was this concept of lunch redesign. And at the epicenter of this lunch revolution is Martin Luther King Middle School in San Francisco. And its standard bearer is Principal Michael Essien.
4: What's up Essien? What's up, what's up with you?
3: Everything good? This middle school has gone all in on a school lunch redesign for its 500 students. The first thing I noticed about lunch at MLK is there were lots and lots of kids who lined up for the school lunch unlike Tice Creek. And they weren't all sequestered in the cafeteria. There was an outdoor food cart for instance. Kids waited as long as five minutes in line but they weren't stressed out about not getting a seat at the table with their friends. They were chatting with one another, taking selfies, watching videos, playing music. Kids grabbed their main course of chicken leg, mashed potatoes, corn, and a wildly popular fruit cup. They punched in their coat to pay and then went to sit with friends in the courtyard or to the blacktop for sports. And if they didn't want to pick up their food at the outdoor cart, they could also wait in line in the cafeteria, which was serving pizza, or get a turkey sandwich out of the vending machine. It doesn't look like a big deal, but these subtle changes originated from one of the country's leading design firms, IDEO, out of Palo Alto. The school district and IDEO got a grant to hack lunch. And the first change was seating. The kids have choices, round, long, octagon. Now kids have options to eat and hang out in new ways that don't feel as regimented. That includes hanging out in the courtyard on a rainy day if they want to.
4: How y'all doing? Good afternoon. What are you guys doing? Why are you guys out here trying to get wet?
3: No. No? Just enjoying the natural weather.
4: It's all good. Enjoy the natural weather. All right, we're good. Also, the
3: school asked students for their opinions, which is important because students are usually told what to do. But middle school's a tough crap.
1: The school lunch can sometimes be good because um, there's like a lot of good snacks. But sometimes I feel like it's not that fresh and I feel like it should be better, like, better packaged.
3: That's Caitlin Enriquez. She's in the sixth grade, and I talked with her and one of her giggly friends in the school cafeteria.
2: I don't eat lunch because it's kind of, like, yucky. And also, when when I come into this cafeteria, it
3: really stinks. So what do you eat, then? Um, my friend's Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you asked Mr. Essien to do something about it? Yeah, we have, like... Principal talks every Friday. I mean, yeah, every month. Actually, the students do eat the food at school, according to Essien, but it might not be as appealing because it doesn't have as much sugar, salt, or fat.
4: Kids are still eating, but when you ask them to share their opinion around the food, they will have a lot of negative opinions. So those young ladies that you interviewed, they had a lot of negative opinions, but they did eat. But they're going to share uh, some concerns, and, and it was interesting. They share with me all the time, like, Essie and the food is terrible. We don't like this, we don't like that. And so then I always take it back to um, uh, food and nutrition. I share the information with them in terms of what's happening, so.
3: But the numbers show that the kids are eating. The
4: kids are eating, correct.
3: The cart, the vending machines, the better food, are just part of what made the school lunch redesign work for nearly everyone on campus. I was expecting to see most of the changes happen in the cafeteria, but it turns out that hacking lunchtime also happens when kids aren't eating.
4: This is the lower yard, this is the upper yard, Um, and we have adults dispersed all over and now participating in a variety of sports. Mr. Reyes, who is one of our security personnel, he is an amazing person with the kids. He'll he'll play sports with them during uh, lunch, but then also after school. Uh, they'll play basketball in the gym.
3: It happens indoors, too. Unlike at Tice Creek, here, students are allowed to bring their lunches into the library, which is the next place he took me. A lot of kids here. Yes.
4: They have book clubs, they have readings. Uh, sometimes they do maker space, they will be in here making slime. And the right things, they might have computers. We have the chess club that I'm contemplating joining because I'm not good at playing chess. So.
3: This mm -hmm. looks like a quarter or a third of the school.
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you tend to see there, there are more girls in here.
3: Having something to do at lunchtime can be a big relief for a struggling middle school kid. And in the process of doing something, kids can make friends and have the relationships they need to feel good about themselves. I speak from personal experience. I was that kid who went to the library during lunchtime. And the MLK librarian, Emily McManus, said she was the kid who went to the library, too.
2: It's not just supposed to be a quiet um, tomb of books. It's supposed to be a living, breathing space that meets the needs of the students in all kinds of ways. And so students definitely bring their lunch in here.
3: This is where it's helpful to have structured activities. Having something to do at lunchtime can be a social tool for kids who don't know how to fit in whose friend dynamics are changing by the day.
2: It's kind of funny the middle school years because there's such a wide range of development and it's not like high school where kids just sort of want to sit and chill out by themselves or in little groups and chat. They kind of still need that um, stimulus of things to play with and activities to sort of, they can all bond over.
3: So we've spent all this time talking about lunch, the food, the activities, the social scene. But there's a critical part of thinking about lunch that I didn't realize until I got to MLK. Having enough food to eat at all. As much as the lunch redesign has helped kids in the middle of the day, what's been even more beneficial, according to Principal Essien, is giving them breakfast too. This is because food affects how kids behave, and they didn't have enough of it.
4: It played out in how kids related to each other, short-tempered, and being able to redirect Um, So we saw a change in all of that when we addressed the food issue.
3: When I visited MLK, I noticed blue insulated boxes stacked in the hallways. Every morning, the boxes get delivered to each classroom with enough food for every student. Inside, kids can choose from stuff like bagels with cream cheese, muffins, milk, and fruit. Another difference? Kids can eat at their desks instead of going to the cafeteria. The school found that moving food into the classroom made a difference in how much students would eat.
4: Whatever the stigma was attached to coming into the cafeteria in the morning to get the food, they just didn't do it. And so uh, we had like on average like 19 to 20 kids that would eat in the morning. But now uh, we have over 300 kids that eat each morning.
3: Back at his office, Essien keeps a poster of Maslow's hierarchy of needs on his door. Every teacher knows about this pyramid of human needs. At the top is self actualization, or the ability to reach one's potential. At the bottom of this pyramid, the foundation of it all is physiological needs. And one of those needs is food.
4: It's really difficult to get to a sense of belonging and esteem and addressing safety if kids are hungry, right? It compromises the entire uh, hierarchy of needs. So this goes to the core of what we're saying we need to do to change the outcomes for kids.
2: I'm actually really surprised that just changing lunch at MLK did so much.
3: Yeah, Katrina, think about where these good habits come from, right? How you get change with students. It doesn't come from just telling kids what to do, but showing them how to do it and giving them better options to choose from. And by the way, you know, it's worth mentioning that MLK is a Title I school. Oh, so they all get free lunch. That's right. But as you heard from Principal Essien, making the food free doesn't guarantee that they'll eat. Schools have to make the effort to meet the kids' needs, and that includes getting input from the kids.
2: Which is what Tice Creek is doing, right? That's With those right.
3: workshops? So wait, is, are these the only schools that are redesigning lunch right now? No, and that's the good news. I found schools in Montana and Washington State putting in the hard work. And if you happen
2: to be in Montana or Washington or anywhere else listening, please be sure to subscribe to the MindShift podcast so you won't miss any future episodes.
3: MindShift is produced by me, Ki Sung, and Katrina Schwartz.
2: Our editor is Julia Scott. Seth Samuel is our sound designer. Julie Kane is our head of podcasts, and Ethan Lindsay is executive editor for news. Holly
3: Kernan is KQED's chief content officer. Special thanks to Connie McCarley, principal of Tice Creek, and Marie Morgan, Zeta Riker, Melanie Brodsky, Piper Zacharias, Alejandra Gonzalez, and Sebastian Donchev japanov At MLK Middle School, special thanks to Caitlin Enriquez and a big thanks to Principal Michael Essien. MindShift is a production of KQED News in San Francisco.
2: Next time on MindShift, we take you to a school that has integrated a little special something into every class. Art. It's made a big difference for academics and joy. Tell three friends about MindShift and don't miss it.
3: with an S. Thanks.